0: Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com Mailbag Podcast presented by our good friends at Smoky Mountain Organics. Be sure to check them out online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com or visit one of their four locations, Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, Sevierville, or their newest location in Knoxville at 8018 Kingston Pike. That's across from Trader Joe's. And um, be sure to check them out. Find out what they're all about uh, with all the organic teas and the uh, body care items, all the essential oils, everything to help you with some of your ailments and things you're doing, uh, dealing with with natural products and organic remedies. That is Smoky Mountain Organics. Remember, be sure to mention Valquest.com if you're in the store. and You'll get fifteen percent off of your total purchase price. With Rob Lewis and Austin Price, I'm Brent Hubbs. Glad to have you along with us for this mailbag installment of the podcast. Plenty of questions to get to, and we will start right out of the gate. AP, with
1: hold on, the- man, hold on. Before we get going, we we got to know: Do they have an essential oil? that you makes you warmer? Because if so, I'm getting you that for Christmas.
0: They do have all kinds of products. I'm not sure if they have a, a heat-related. You know, I've got my th- my battery-powered thermal shirt, so I'm pretty much okay, AP. I, you know, I can, I'll bring that bad boy out first of October while the rest of y'all are in shorts and flip-flops. I'll have my battery-powered thermal shirt on. I'll be in good shape.
2: And a couple of Hot Pockets
0: in <laughs> it there's no doubt i'll have some hand warmers toe warmers there might be a heater underneath the counter uh in the radio booth as well um, can't you see a pack of smoke sitting on hubs head underneath this toboggan <laughs> sometimes i wish my hair was on fire just to warm myself up because kessling likes to keep the uh windows open all the time um which is the craziest well, thing i've ever hey, heard hey that's hey him and packer one a and one b i mean you know the two peas in the pod, they are. Yeah, got gotta have your window open so you can hear that natural crowd sound out there. All right, here we go. Let's go to uh, first question out of the gate. This is from E Schaefer ninety two. Is Milton struggles more of an accuracy issue or a timing thing or maybe a combination of the two? QB coaches say accuracy is the hardest thing to teach. I guess he's trying to hand around Rob Lewis is what we saw out of Joe Milton in game one quarters three through four fixable. I think it's kind of the direction he was going there.
2: Yeah, I mean I think it's fixable. I mean, I'm no quarterback, Guru. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not ready to say this guy's fallen after one game. I mean, did he play well? No, for the final three quarters he did not play well at all. But, you know, Josh Heupel's making a lot of money to coach and has a good track record with the quarterback. So I would think it's fixable. I, I I thought the bigger thing to me was just not seeing the field and yeah, missing. I agree with this missing a lot of guys that from and, and you know we have a better angle than Joe Milton does and people aren't running at us from up to the press box from that vantage point but I thought there were some times where he missed some chances for some really big gains down the middle
1: I agree I, yeah. I think it's more seeing the field than it is accuracy yeah I, mean, I don't I don't disagree with that too
0: here's the other thing I wonder Austin I didn't mean to interrupt you but how much is there the receivers were they in that? starting in that second quarter move where, where maybe they're not on the same page with some of the route adjustments the receivers have to make. Um, and, and Milton seeing those route adjustments or the receivers making those route adjustments. And I say that because Hypo keeps talking about entire passing game. And I don't think he's trying to protect necessarily Joe Milton. I, I, I do think that there's a situation where there's some error here in the passing game that, that falls at the feet of the receivers some too. And not just the two drop passes by Jalen Hyatt also
1: no that's exactly right um you want to know people ask on the board what Heifel and Rodney and I talked about and 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 100% we talked about Heipel's, you know house redo we talked about hocus shoes for Rodney we talked about Nick and Jays. we talked about several things but one instance was Heipel talking about one of the receivers cut a wheel route off that would have went for a touchdown and you know had you know had that not been the case, you know, it, it probably is six points. Um, you know, so I mean, yeah, I think that's the point. It's like you know, it's not just Joe. Yes, he was critical of Joe. He was critical of Joe after the game. He was critical of Joe on Monday when we met with him. Um, and I'm sure, you know, again, he'll he'll drive that point home when we hear from him uh, later this morning. But uh, you know, on the whole, you know, I, I think it's it's a combination of everything, and and Joe's a part of it, but so are the receivers, so are I think a little bit offensive line, but mostly receivers and quarterback and we'll see how much they
0: can get in sync going against a Pittsburgh team that's going to play a ton of man-to-man press coverage and and dare you to beat them down the field until you prove that you can you can do it which when those opportunities present himself Robbie's got to be more accurate this week than he was last
1: week with a deep ball for sure before we go to the next question I will say this I'm interested to see you know, like because let's face it, Pittsburgh's gonna get home, they're gonna they're gonna be on top of him a lot more than Bowling Green ever was. He had I think almost he had too much time last week, and I think that might have been to his detriment. What's he like this week? Does he make mistakes when he's forced to throw it a little bit faster, or does that help him? I mean I think everybody's gonna go, Well, he you'll probably make mistakes, but you don't know that. I mean, you know, will we'll see what happens when that happens on Saturday. Well, it's interesting, and we'll see how it is against you know
0: obviously better competition. I mean, this is a guy who threw for three hundred yards twice, you know, Rob before he got hurt at Michigan. There are times he makes it look very easy, and then there are times he's out of rhythm. and And the question is, what do you do to to try to make sure he stays in rhythm? Because the first quarter it was easy. I mean, he made it look really, really easy. And And, let's you know,
2: I was just and let's not forget first game in a new system with new coaches, and when he wasn't here in spring practice. And you know, I, I temper any of my criticism with that. And also, I don't – you know, I do the PFF thing every week, and, you know, sometimes I, I agree with what they – you know, what the numbers are. Sometimes I kind of scratch my head. But I do think it's worth noting that the highest receiver grade for PFF was 56 for Jalen Hyatt.
1: I, I, I think the, the point that Hubs made – and I know we got to get more questions, but I know the hub point Hubs made earlier in the week about the fact they didn't scrimmage – now, I know they did some 11-on-11 work and practice, but they didn't have a full-scale major scrimmage – the two weeks leading up to that Thursday game, you know, they basically went scrimmage one, a couple days, scrimmage two, and it was over um, after that. Um, you know, I just wonder if that that played into it a little bit, just, you know, knocking the rust off. Maybe it didn't. We'll find out on Saturday. But it, it, to me, it's at least a, an interesting notion.
0: Deshaun13 wants to know, did your season predictions change after game one? The
1: answer to that for me is No. No. I mean, as Rob just said, it it would be it would be to me poor to judge Joe Milton off of last Thursday, much like it would be poor to judge Joe Milton had he went for three hundred and forty yards and eighty yards on the ground and combined for five touchdowns. Uh, You know, that's something you can judge anybody off one game. Look at DeAndre Johnson a year ago; Hubs was the savior that first game. (laughs) After that, DeAndre Johnson was more known for getting kicked out of Georgia.
0: That, that's true. More known for penalties than he was anything else other than what he did in an opening game against South Carolina. So I, I wrote it in 10 things last week. Don't make a judgment. You know, it, it is what it is. It, it all starts to count when you move into week two and you go against better competition, and certainly Pitt is that. Volgrad at 05 wants to know, can you give it a little more information on Byron Young? Is the worst-case scenario that he sets for Pitt
1: and then he's good, or could this wipe out the entire year for him? No, he's back. At, at, for Tennessee Tech, um, I don't think he's going to play this week. Maybe he'll miraculously win this appeal at the eleventh hour. But you know, to quote Brent on every Florida prediction known to man, I got to see it to believe it. I got to see him roll out there for warmups to believe he's going to play Saturday. But he is one hundred and fifty-seven percent back for Tennessee Tech.
2: And just my my two cents. I just just the, I love to throw shade on the NCAA anytime we can. I mean, how, how ridiculous it is you've got Will Wade on tape. Can, you know, confirming he's buying players, and and he's still collecting four million dollars a year. Poor Byron Young plays two games at some junk prep school,
0: and it NCAA. goes belly under. By the way,
2: yeah, and the NCAA throws the hammer at. It's just ridiculous.
0: Well, and and again, you don't know when you're going to get a ruling if they're going to rule on anything this week. Supposed to, but it didn't work on Monday, and and we'll see whenever that committee, particular committee, meets to whether or not. They give any kind of, of of ruling one way or the other. Um, uh, let's go to the next one. I feel like this Pitt game is a significant game in the eyes of a lot of Tennessee fans, but do you think a win against Pitt would carry any weight outside of UT's bubble? Do you think recruits, national media would care that much about a win here? Bonus question. Let's assume for a moment, the 2024 Oklahoma game is getting scrapped in the spirit of other significant out-of-conference games, like the Johnny Majors Classic, Battle for Bristol, reliving the Georgia Tech rivalry, et cetera name a power five opponent you would love to see us play in place of Oklahoma any non five power five uh, non power five teams you would also love to see Tennessee play Let's talk about first, first question is the win is the win a big deal in the national media no. no but for Tennessee is it significant yes huge I, I think I, this mean, is a, I think there's a big
1: game All yeah right. I I
2: mean, Go ahead, AP.
1: No, I mean, I was just going to say, I mean, it makes you 4-0 in non-conference play. They, Vanderbilt ain't beating Tennessee. <laughs> they only beating ETSU. Um, you know, who, who may turn around and lose to UVA-wise this week? You know, just never know. But uh, um, to me, that's five for Tennessee. And then can Tennessee get a few out of South Carolina, Kentucky, Missouri? Um, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I, I ultimately think Tennessee – um, you know, if they win Saturday, it catapults them to six and six is the floor, the floor for the
2: season. I agree. I mean, it doesn't move the national needle at all. People aren't going really to care about that. But yeah, it, it it makes seven and five a real real possibility.
1: To to answer the second question, I can go ahead and tell you. I I, I think I told you, Brent, uh, the other night when I was watching the game. I wish the balls would go back to UCLA. You know, it I just like that, that sissy
0: blue is all you care about, AP. You yeah. like that sissy blue shirt, right?
2: I'm, I'm several <laughs> West Coast teams. I'll, I'll, me and me and AP both been going to Washington. I,
0: A home and home I, there
2: would be great. Home I, and home. I, I'm, I'm with UCLA. Oh, USC, Tennessee's not played them. That was in only, the series 40 years ago. Only two stadiums you can get to by water, Washington and
1: Knoxville. So that that one would make some sense. I'd love for them to play UCLA again. Um I I just think that you know Pasadena is a neat place. Um, I'd I'd be for another cow trip. Get the night tour at Alcatraz. I'd love for him to do a Notre Dame game. I'd love for him to do Boston College, uh, especially if the game was later in the year and not early. I'd love to go to Boston when when the leaves are changing. Uh, I can name a bunch, um, but uh, you know, specifically, you know, I'd love to see him go out on the west coast or go up into the northeast.
0: Uh, next one we go to, were you surprised that Pierce came in ahead of whitehead at the end of the game? I would have expected him to be the fourth tailback whitehead being that what is holding more, Joseph back. Seems like he could have gotten some snaps in the second half. You know, they play a ton of, didn't play a ton of reps, you know, um, really when you look at the second half, Rob, there wasn't that many possessions for, um, for Bowling green. Um, and, and you know, I, I just I don't think they went that far down the depth chart. Uh, Pierce is a guy that Jerry Mack spoke glowingly about in his in his you know media conference a couple of weeks ago. That kind of caught everybody off guard, uh, but he had good things to say about Pierce then. So I wasn't stunned that that he was in there. I think the bigger question is where are Beckwith, where are Whitehead? Uh, what does that rotation look like if Tennessee doesn't have everybody available um, in their running back rotation? You know, for, for whatever game. Uh, you know out there. I, I think that's the bigger question. When it's not mop up duty, who who's the next tailback in? Uh, it would be White
2: it would be Whitehead. You almost wonder if that was a reward for Pierce, you know, work doing doing the work in camp, doing the right things and, you know, maybe also showing Whitehead and, and others that this is, you know, this is the, when 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 you earn it on the playing field, this is what happens.
1: Just wait till spring rob. He's the next Kirsten Biggers.
2: Um as
1: for Who was the other
2: one? David Yancey. There's one more.
0: Who?
2: David Yancey. David. How can I cannot believe I forgot David Yancey? Shame um, on
0: me. As for Morvin Joseph, I, I think it's consistency. Um, you know, and, and I just don't – I don't think he's that far up the the depth chart at this point with where they're at in, in their rotation. Um, he's a guy that's still looking for a bit of a home. Is he going to be an edge guy in certain situations? Can he play in space? Uh, is he more of an in-the-box guy as an inside linebacker? Uh, I think they're trying to figure out best uses for him uh, in, in this defense. Uh, Ramrod, 495, any chance of one of uh, Willis, Garland, uh, Morvin, Joseph, Mohan can start seeing some snaps ahead of Solon Page's snaps? You know, Mo- Mohan was really good on special teams, really good. Um, I don't know what that's they're ready to translate into any him, him doing anything at the linebacker position. He's a different type player than, than Paige is. I mean, I think they like Paige in space. Um, we'll see. Those linebackers are going to get challenged this week across the middle of the football field. With the tight end and some of the crossing stuff that, that Pitt runs, they're going to challenge those linebackers to be able to play in space. I don't think Aaron Willis is, is close to being ready to play at linebacker for Tennessee right now. I agree
2: that was one of the biggest surprises for me and going back and looking at all the numbers on Wednesday for the PFF piece. And I knew they played a lot, but Paige and um, Beasley, he's Beasley played 27 snaps. I mean, they pretty clearly had a plan, a rotation set. And I'll, I'll be very interested to see if that, if that holds.
0: Yeah. I don't know that you'll see that kind of rotation this week. Um, but, you know, I, I think that was, def- as you mentioned, very definitely the plan going into, um, Heidelwal wants to know, does it behoove Tennessee to take a second quarterback in 2022 class? If sir, if so, do you prefer a portal puppy or a high school kid? I think a portal guy is hard to get. If you know, if Joe Milton is, you know, has a good year and is your quarterback or if somebody takes the reins for this for this quarterback room who's not named Hendon Hooker, who's not a senior, who's got more eligibility. I, I don't know that a portal guy is going to be real interested in, in making a transfer to Tennessee if they have a quote established quarterback so I think it would be a high school kid Austin with numbers do you think Tennessee would take another high school kid
1: I don't think so you know I, I think that's one of those things where I think if you get to you know February and you know you're you're down to a couple of guys you you, you take a, a strong look at the portal at that point
0: to hoops we go. Uh, Wallace will obviously not be scared off by anyone. But do you think Tennessee is pitching the depth chart at Kentucky versus Tennessee at his position, or do you think it has an impact? Wallace's AAU teammate and nearby hometown friend, Kyron Lindsey, is now a priority for the Vols. You said, do you know how close he and Wallace are, and is that something as Tennessee is selling those two on playing together?
2: Uh, as for Wallace, no, I don't think he's scared by anybody Kentucky has committed. I don't think that's a huge factor. And, uh, as far I mean, from my understanding, he and Lindsay are friends, but I don't think either one of those guys, and I don't think very many prospects at all base their decision on what some AU buddy is doing. I mean these guys play with a ton of kids in the summertime i mean they're they're loaded AU teams, especially the one you know the program Wallace is coming out of. so I don't in my opinion, I can't remember a time when Tennessee has gotten a kid based off of what one of his friends was doing i mean maybe i'm missing somebody in the last two decades i've, I've forgotten a lot but I, I don't think that's ever the kind of factor that a lot of fans think don't, don't you think it's
0: different to rob now more even more now than it was years ago because you know a lot of those guys i mean wallace i'm sure is thinking hey i'm going to come play 30 games in college and i'm gone you know so it's not like you're going to come hey let's let's go play together for three years and you know, build an apartment together. Yeah,
2: having an apartment together with sophomores, be able to fly home together. They're not. They, Kasan Wallace and, and a bunch of these kids are thinking they're going to live in Knoxville for probably seven eight months.
0: Yeah, I mean that's. I mean, you know, get here in, in the summertime and be gone. I mean, not going to be here. Not going to be here a full year. Be gone as soon you're, as the season's over. You're done
2: when whenever you get bounced from the NCAA tournament. You don't go to another class. All
0: right. Uh, I know this is uh, taken. I know this is a taken from one game, but Milton doesn't seem to have much of a knack for running. He looked okay on drawn-up running plays, but it didn't look natural for him whenever he took off and scrambled. Is this something that the staff could have overlooked in camp because he was in a red jersey? If Milton doesn't have the running ability that was expected from him, does he still have the highest ceiling in that quarterback room? What would you make of his, of his running skills on Thursday night?
2: I liked your point you made the other night. Hubber. I was surprised at the lack of physicality. I mean, I thought he's he was fine as a runner. I was surprised that when contact, and I'm not talking about taking on a 260 pound defensive end. I mean, when he gets to the second level, and he's as big as the guys trying to tackle him, I was surprised that he tried to be evasive instead of just putting a shoulder down, Cam Newton style, and you know getting two or three extra yards or even breaking the tackle.
0: Does the red jersey thing in in, in fall camp? I mean, does that could that skew your outlook? Not not that all of a sudden now like, he's not what we thought he was. He, he's not this or you know, he's not, he's not our, not, he's not our guy AP. I mean, I'm not talking about any of that, but I mean, is there such thing as getting a misread in some ways, because he didn't take contact in fall camp or, I mean, you got tape on him at Michigan and everything else. I mean, don't you think they probably knew what he was?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I guess so. Um, you know, I, yeah, I I think probably it's more of a, hindrance to Hendon Hooker the red jerseys are than Joe Milton I mean yeah you maybe can get a you know well I thought he would be a little more aggressive you know when and you know instead of kind of just getting down and afraid to take a hit but you know Hooker you can't really see his full game when you don't play live uh football with the quarterbacks and that at least that's my opinion I mean I mean that that was part of Dobbs's deal I mean like you know Dobbs was never super accurate in practice. So I think everybody just kind of judged him when in reality he was just a playmaker. But you don't see that when you're wearing a – back then it was a green jersey. Now it's red.
2: Yeah, but, I mean, the coaches don't see it. But I think the kids still have it. I mean, I think so much of that is instincts. I mean, Josh Dobbs was elusive and able to make plays out of the pocket and down the field as soon as he got on the field, despite wearing a green jersey. I bet Kyler Murray were whatever Oklahoma's version of the green you know, jersey I'm, was.
1: But that's my point, though, is like I'm talking about from the fact of like when you're looking at who your quarterback should be. You know, um, I think you're not seeing full Hendon Hooker because you're not playing. We're not seeing it, but
2: I'm saying I don't think having the green jersey on hinders Hendon Hooker once he he gets in the game and he's live. I think he's just as good as whether or not he was taking contact in fall camp.
0: Right, but I think Austin's point is maybe it hinders the evaluation. Oh, I agree with that. On on the practice field. Yeah, okay. I totally Um, agree with that. Yeah, and and I think there's probably – and it would hinder him more than another quarterback because his legs are – appears to be a bigger part of his game than, than the other quarterbacks are. Um, Pine Mountain Vol wants to know, does UT have the advantage on the O-line and D-line versus Pitt? I, I don't think so. I mean, when you look at the experience of Pitt, I know, Rob, you've got the matchup piece coming up later today. I mean, that's a, that's a Pitt offensive line that started a bunch of games together. They're a <clears> bunch <throat> of grown men. They got a bunch of veterans on the defensive line.
2: That I mean, I kind of – I did the I, – I the, the matchup piece was ready to go, and I looked at it. I, I mean, Pitt has a bunch of guys that have started, but they were also 110th in the NCAA last year in, in rushing the football. So they got a bunch of guys coming back, but they don't have a bunch of guys back that were very good in, in 2020. Their best running back is a true freshman, or at least their best running back at the opener was a true freshman. And I don't think Tennessee's as good up front as they showed against Bowling Green. But if they can just approach that level of play, I give the Tennessee defensive front an advantage. Do you really? Yes. And, again, I base that so much of – in 2020, you've got four starters back, but those four starters averaged 119 – they were 110th out of 129 teams in front of the football.
0: And is this – is there also something to be said that this is an SEC defensive line versus – a non-SEC defensive line. I mean, this league is about in the trenches, right? I mean, do you factor yeah. that into that into that viewpoint as well?
2: And, and flipping it, I think Pittsburgh's front seven. I'll throw the linebackers in there as well because I, I think they're they're nasty. I mean, they've, they've got some dudes at linebacker. They've got two fifth-year seniors. They've got a, a junior. And they all – they played a lot of football. And they played a lot of productive football. Uh, it, I, I think Tennessee could have some problems running the ball. We'll see.
0: So you're saying advantage Pitt D-line or defensive front maybe advantage Tennessee at, defensive at front against paper. their offense. And okay. that's
2: a you know we've got a thin sample size and I'm basing a ton of my opinion on what Pitt did last year on the ground when they were just not very good.
1: Well, and and here's the thing is, you know, who, you know, it, Cooper Mays, you know, I I st- would call him super questionable at this point. You yes. know, I, uh, so I mean I, I just think, you know, if Carvin's the center, you know, who are the guards, you know, I mean, Spragans didn't, you know, set my hair on fire last week and, you know, Ollie Lane got better over the course of the game, but this isn't Bowling Green. So, you know, it. it you know, do they look give another guy a look? Is a guy like Kingston Harris going to get more run on Saturday? You know, and, you know, so that's, you know, to me, that guard play to, to Rob's point about, you know, the pit defensive line, could be a big determining factor on how much time Joe Milton does or does not have.
0: Well, and I think you, you've heard Josh Heupel mention this a couple of different times. You got to avoid third and long. Uh, Cade Mays talked about this on Tennessee prime on uh, Tuesday night is that Pitt doesn't do a whole lot of unusual on first and second down. They kind of say, Hey, here's who we are. This is our talent. We're coming at you, but if they can get you in third and long, they get pretty exotic and do some things where they cause you uh, to, to have, um, some so you know you're you, you can have a busted assignment in a hurry if you're not careful there. So I, I think who can mentally handle that part of it will go a long ways um into who's plays the most snaps for Tennessee on the offensive line on Saturday.
2: Yeah. See, and and Herbert yeah. Pitt has two linebackers that combined for 23 TFLs last year.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they 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 That's play at the line of, at the line of scrimmage. I mean they're downhill for sure uh, because they you know they play, play so much press man on the outside at corner that they're just they're not going to ask those linebackers to play in space. They play, they play really downhill, particularly in the run game, uh, or on rundowns. Uh, C.D. Ball wants to know, best opposing team you've ever seen play at Neyland Stadium? For me, it, personally, it was the 2002 Miami team. I think the two most talented teams to come into Neyland Stadium that I saw was that Notre Dame team in 90 that had Rocket Ishmael and the bus and Chris Zorch and all those guys. And then that, that 2002 Miami team.
2: Um, you, wouldn't throw any, you wouldn't throw any of the last couple Alabama teams that have rolled in here. Well, yeah. Okay. Uh,
0: maybe it's just cause I'm used to them having some, uh, I, I mean, mean I, I, I agree. Yeah, my my yeah. knee jerk
2: reaction is to say, Oh, to Miami. Yeah. When remember, you
1: look, when you look at, when you look at them, Yeah, you know, after it's all said and done, yeah, O2 Miami because of all the Hall of Famers that were on that, you know, you know, on, on that team. I mean, like, again, it's, it's easier to sit back now 20 years later and That's say O2 Miami. Cause here's what, like, what, what will those Alabama there. teams be 20 years from now or 15 years from now? Like yeah. the last four or five years. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I mean, it's easy oh, yeah. right now to go yeah. O2 Miami. Cause I mean, yeah. like, <laughs> those guys will be, you
0: know. They bus. gold jackets and busts. Yeah. I mean, you know, cause you're, you're right. O8 I mean, Wyoming. O8 Wyoming. Juggernaut team. Uh, there's some, I mean, obviously, those we'll see what how those Alabama teams perform. I mean, but I mean, Derrick Henry's pretty good when he came to town. That was a pretty good team that that Alabama rolled in that day. I'd have to go back and see that there's a bunch of NFL players uh, off of those teams as well. So, I mean, yeah, you, you, you got to put them court, in yeah, there somewhere.
2: is, to a pretty big Alabama.
0: Yeah, no, no doubt. There's certainly some Alabama teams that would factor into that bill. So, um, but I guess that 2002 team stands out because that was when Tennessee was "quote" good, yep. and they were uncompetitive. Whereas more recently, Tennessee's uncompetitive against Alabama, but Tennessee's "quote" down. That was not the downturn for Tennessee when that uh, Miami team rolled in here
2: and what, in was it, 2002. Was it, the, was it the first play of the game when Cedric Houston broke loose and I got guess. tackled? Got, it, got tackled to the two. And- yeah. Tennessee and every, didn't get it in. And
0: everybody turned to everybody and went, this is going to be a long day here. <laughs> and it absolutely was. Um, all right, Matt Brad one wants to know, you guys have mentioned quite a bit that Rodney Garner is personally recruiting Walter Nolan. Haven't really heard him mentioned with a lot of other recruits other than Jones, the D-line um, from Georgia that Tennessee seems to have cooled on. What other prospects is Rodney Garner focused on at this point in this class?
1: Um, You know, Nigel Lee Kelly, uh, Jacarius Clayton, who's a Mississippi State commit, um, DeAndre Martin, you know, those are a couple of other guys besides Walter Nolan that, that, that you know, he's taking a hard look at, um, you know, ultimately, you know, depending on whether they land Walter and what they do with a couple of those names I just mentioned, you know, will be a determining factor whether they go dip into the portal again for defensive linemen. But I mean, you know, Tennessee doesn't lose a ton of D linemen this year. You know, I mean, they'll lose Tremblay and they'll lose Matthew Butler and they'll lose uh, um, Latrell Bumpus. But I mean, a lot of these other kids will be back. So, um, you know, I think it's important to note, you know, Tennessee still, you know, still feels good about Jordan Phillips. Although again, as I said earlier, anytime a kid's taking visits, it kind of gets dicey um, in my opinion. So that one will be a fight to the finish line. But as you would expect, I mean, if the kid's good, uh, the, the SEC team that's closest to him is going to take a swing at him, you know, and, and it'll be up to Rodney Garner in Tennessee to try to hold on to him between now and December. And we'll see exactly how the rest of uh, those things
0: shake. I, I mean, I just think they're going to be in the portal. I think you'll see them back in the portal at that position. The more
1: The more that Tremblay and DJ Terry and some of these portal guys play and have success, it makes it real convenient to want to go to that way. You know what I mean? Like if these guys – don't have success this year then maybe you rethink that but if if they're a big part of your football team why not go right back in that same direction yeah i mean and again rob if you can get a guy
0: who's got some development already who's played but he's got multiple years of eligibility left he he may i mean it makes a ton of sense to go live in the portal and, and 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 fill some gaps in the portal if you can um
2: I agree so, 100%. I mean the, the key I mean like you said I mean the, with the one tri- one-time transfer rule and being able to get guys like Terry that have multiple years of eligibility left I, it's a it's a dream scenario for a t- team like Tennessee trying to rebuild the roster.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't I mean for for sure. Um last time Hypo played Pitt we got two questions left here. Last time Hypo played Pitt he lost by one point in the fourth quarter he had a fourth and 2 from somewhere well within field goal range maybe even in the red zone but he went for it. They did not pick up the first and wind up losing the game so we we will see if he has learned a lesson from that or if it's a simple indication of his aggression every situation's different i don't i mean i don't I don't know what that i don't guess that's a question i guess it's a statement there i mean I have no idea why he felt that way at that point in the game, you know, and uh, maybe you thought that they had ever you know they had a great play call there and they could put it away and they and they didn't so um you know who knows i mean ever you coach every game completely different all right t s 2340 is recruiting at an all-time low we're legitimately beating are we legitimately beating any good sec schools for
1: players well i mean yeah i mean on the whole yeah i mean i won't say all time low but i mean like it it is much harder to become a factor with kids you know um you know when (laughs) you're getting the investigation and other stuff used against you so I, i think this 2022 class is always going to be, has always been one that's an uphill road. Uh, the 2023s, you know, I mean, I think they're ahead of the game with guys like, you know, um, Caleb Herring, um, you know, and, and, and a few other ones in state. But I just, uh, again, I the 2022 class was always going to be a tough road when Tennessee decided to make a change in late January, not hire a coach for another couple of weeks after they had to hire an AD. Then that, you know, coach took over a month to fill out his entire staff. I mean, it, they just got behind the eight ball. Simple as that. You're zero?
2: A year zero. Uh,
1: you're zero? You're negative one. <laughs> and
0: we'll, that's why you're going to see Tennessee, and you continue to see Tennessee um, obviously focus a lot on 23s. We'll see who's in town this weekend. We'll have more on recruiting in the war room coming up tomorrow in terms of possible visitors who might be in town, who might not be in town. Plenty of other things coming up as well. That's going to do it for this edition of – the Mailbag Podcast for Austin Price and Rob Lewis. I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. And don't forget, check out our good friends at Smoky Mountain Organics for all of your uh, natural organic health needs. That's smokymountainorganics.com for locations to serve you. That's going to do it for this edition. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody.